Welcome to episode three of the Edgework podcast alongside Dennis Bernstein, David Penyota. I'm Zach Bodenstein, and I'm proud of you both. Not as much DB, but more Dave, because he wore sunscreen. There's no sunburn coming back from Florida. DB's more used to it, so I think he's kind of got that regimen going. But Dave, the Florida sun must have treated you well, and then coming back home, you missed the minus 30 wind chills, but I think uh, I think you missed that Florida sun. Uh, I do, I do. The the Italian olive skin helps uh, with with the sun. Um, certainly, it's like a 60 degree swing Celsius uh, from Toronto to Fort Lauderdale. So I'm glad I missed that polar vortex crap that was going on. Um, but uh, look, Florida, Florida was great. Uh, it, it, it was an awesome time. The All Star Game weekend, the All Star weekend, I guess. Was, was a lot of fun. I know, and I know we'll get into this, but I know the, the broadcast side is, but uh, if you're going to this thing, it's all about the experience. You know, checking out the different activations they have in place. Fanfare was, was, was absolutely awesome. You got to see different recordings and live segments and things like that. We did some stuff as well and fans hyping up all over the place and everything. Different activations, activities. You have the Hall of Fame if you want to check out all the trophies. Upper Deck doing some cool stuff and some signings, player stuff. Like all of that is what it's about from a fan side of things. You go to it just to say you went to the actual skills or the game, but all the fanfare surrounding all weekend, I mean, that that's just what it was about. And to see these kids and, and even just regular normal fans um, of all ages – checking out all these fun things and getting free prizes and, and contests and watching the mascots beat each other up and all kinds of fun. Like that was, that's really what it is from a fan side of things. You've got to experience it from the league side. It's, it's a big schmooze fest for the league and sponsors, the teams, all their clients, all that stuff. Um, so they like it. The fans love it when they're there broadcast. Holy crap. They got to work on that. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the karma for posting, a picture of me on the lounge chair at 80 degrees, like right before the skills competition, it came back to bite me the next day because the sky got dark. There's 25 mile an hour lens, rip current warnings. Like it started raining. So like God said, okay, slow down, bro. You ain't that cool. Right. So that was it. So the fanfare wound up getting canceled the next day, but look, here's the thing. It's, it's an event. So it's an on-site event. So 80% of the stuff won't translate to somebody that's watching in Winnipeg, right? That, that's, that's the challenge. That's the issue. If you go, you have a great time. There's parties, the activities Dave talked about. The fanfare is really cool. The weather would hold out. But, yeah, that there has to be something done because you can't have a three-hour skills competition. Uh, I know it's a television program, and I know ESPN has the rights, right? So, But there's something that really needs to be reimagined with respect to the events act because – if you do that in Toronto next season, the criticism might be a little louder than it was in Fort Lauderdale. You can uh, you can have a three hour broadcast, just not that three hour broadcast. Yeah, like you can't have PK Subban trying to act and telling Mitch Marner, "I got you, bro," nineteen times. <laughs> like you, you gotta you gotta practice that. You gotta eat. You, it's not just throwing it. In. It's not easy. Um, to, to broadcast and to be on air and to try to entertain. So, I mean, a lot of it's with the league. A lot of it was with ESPN as well um, and the broadcast element, but they need to find the way to figure it out and to add the entertainment value to it. And spreading it, like here's, I, the golf competition was awesome and the dunk tank stuff was cool. 
but don't spread it out. Don't like, okay, we're doing one hole now. And then, okay, 20 minutes later, we'll show it again. And then like, it, it's gotta, it's gotta flow. It's gotta, it's gotta be done properly. Spreading it out. I, I don't know. I never, I didn't understand that. It's a, what PK needs a co-host partner. He, he can't, he's not a host. He's a personality. And so to, to let the flow go, to let to, to tee up him, I get it. It would be funny, but that's why he says something 18 because he's not a host. He might work on it five years from Mount Margaret, but get Butcher Gross out of the studio and co-host with him on the ice. That's a professional broadcaster. PK's learning the, you know, he's learning the trade as he goes. So I think that's part of it is that you have somebody that needs to organize that and, and you know, get, get in and out and get quickly and sees when things are fading to move on from there. With all due respect to, to Bucci and Weeksy and, and Amber and Elliot and, and everybody, we're hockey guys. You want to have a host? Hire an entertainment host. Yeah. Bring on somebody that is that is that that knows what they're doing from the entertainment side of things. Yeah. Sports entertainment's different. Not everybody's Stephen A. Not everybody likes Stephen A. Thanks either. But but yeah. But <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like if you want to enhance this, you got to spend a little extra. Get yeah. some Hollywood type people that know what they're doing on the entertainment side, and then have that cushion the, the broadcast with Bucci and Elliot and everybody else that, that encompasses it for Sportsnet side and for ESPN side. It's entertainment. It's the first freaking word in E. <laughs> well, th- you know, thinking about that, this just came to my mind. What about getting local celebrities based on the host city to kind of uh-huh. take part in that and being in Toronto next year, Dave, so many opportunities for that with some big name Toronto guys. I know Justin Bieber said that, he wanted to take part in the festivities. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Whether you like him or hate him, there's a big name, and you got some. You got some options there. DB, we talked about. Yeah, it was in LA recently, was it not? Uh, 16, 16, 16 yeah. 17, some eighteen, whatever that. The hundred year. Yeah. Either way, they've got they've got these opportunities to to make the most of it. I like what they're doing with the themes and how they kind of use these skills competitions to the city's advantage when it comes sure, to sure. themes, but. To get some bigger names, Dave, is a really good point because that's what's ultimately going to draw audiences. And you can be the best broadcaster in the world, but not many people know who you are. You're not entertaining in that sense that people are looking for for All-Star Weekend. Might not be the best course of action. So uh, I do like that. DB, overall take on that weekend, anything that kind of stood out to you? Because as Dave was talking about, it is more about being there and the fan experience, but... Was there anything that caught your eye that you might want to tell people to encourage them to go to future All-Star Games? Oh, well, you're seeing part of history. And you saw, like, is there value in seeing Sid and Ovi on the ice passing to each other? Or Ovi's kid there? There's so many different moments. And you get up close and personal. If you get on the red carpet and your kid's six years old and he's a big Alexander Barkov fan and he got an autograph from him, fine. It's going to be crazy in Toronto next year. So I don't know about that. Like, it's going to, I assume it's going to, obviously it's going to be downtown. Maple Leaf Square, and there's a lot of stuff's going to be happening there. But I, I, I go one time, and, and I get it. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It, it's like we're going in, in next weekend to the Stadium Series game in Carolina, right? Carolina, Washington. And, and somebody in Seattle may not care about that, but it's not about you, the person in Seattle. Like if it's in your city, go. Or make a trip and go. Now, it's going to be prohibitive going to Toronto next year. Hotels are going to be crazy, all this other stuff. But, but pick a city, pick a place if it's – I don't know if you're if you live in New York and at some point UBS is going to be the place at the All Star Game. Go one time; it's worth the money. And to be honest with you, the secondary market it wasn't expensive to get in, in, in at least in Fort Lauderdale. Next year, tickets it will be next year. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so maybe in the the unicorn yeah. is 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 Toronto in the All Star game, but in other cities, go. We always have a good time because it, it's only ancillary things around the game and the event itself that makes the weekend. Because remember, it's All Star weekend, and you might run into a player walking down. We saw it all the time walking down A one eight. It was all you know, guys. Watch Chandler Stevenson. And nobody really knows who Chandler yeah. Stevenson was in South Florida, but you know, if you're a Vegan Golden Knight fan, you roll up on Chandler. It's a great weekend, so you can you can probably extract one really cool memory out of going through the weekend. So I, I absolutely advocate for it. Yeah, it's not perfect, and yeah, the All Star Game is really an avid going back, Zach, really a hundred years to the MLB All Star Game when Babe Ruth was there. So it, it's something that re- needs to be, like I mentioned, reinvented, reimagined. But for a fan opportunity to go and see, do all those different stuff and get like I remember when I went to the Winter Classic back in Boston way back in the day in 2010, they had upper deck. They did trading cards. So me and my wife put on the gear and she hit me now over the head with a stick and we got a trading card from that. So even that, that's a cool memory of, of these events. Yeah. So, and it's what they call tentpole events. And that's the idea to expand the reach of the game. Um, and I, you, I will tell you, if you take the time and expense to go to one of these events, you will enjoy yourself without yeah. question. A hundred percent. You build up, especially as a kid, you're building up core memories in that regard. Um, right. and, and it's not just a, like, it's, it's, if you're a huge hockey fan, like a big, big hockey nerd, um, you, you get to, you, you see people now for me, it's a little different now because I work with a lot of these guys, but you know, if, if you're a huge fan at Friedman's running around and you have Gucci and those guys running around and you have the missing curfew boys all over the place and you have chicklets guys all... running around. Don't forget um, the yeah. Uh, and, and you, you see biz and wit and all those guys and they have events. Like it's not just, it's everything that encompasses the weekend. And it's the fanfare and it's the celebrity aspect and it's go see your favorite podcast. Come watch us. We'll maybe we'll do something next year. Like all of those kinds of things. Um, like that, that, that's, those are the big takeaways from it. And Zach, you're right. Like they have to up the entertainment value. You've got to spend, like the league doesn't make money on these types of events. Right. Like, because again, it's big schmooze fest and all that. And I mean, they don't lose money either. They're not, you know, Gary's not gonna make that happen, but they're not, they're not making significant money on if anything on any of these things because everything is getting you have the local uh tourism boards coughing up money and sponsors and all that stuff but it's it's to enhance the experience next year they have to spend for this big takeaway the the all-star weekend and nhl awards from a broadcast standpoint sucks and it sucked for a long time and they know it so try to enhance it, but do it right. Don't penny pinch and all that crap. Like you've got to go big for the next few years here. And Zach, exactly to your point, man. It's it's about the entertainment value on the broadcast side. Going there, DB, and I, I echo that. Do it. Find one year, maybe not next year or whatever. Like find a year. Go with your buddies. Go with your family. Go with your kids. You won't regret it. You absolutely won't. It's it's a hell of an experience. You know, just watching the AHL game because these guys have something to play for. They have something to prove. Them being there is a spectacle, and that's ultimately what this whole show is. So for them to put on the display that they did, and I don't know if any of you guys caught it, but they were really trying, and they were being creative. And the whole concept of it, the way they run it, the different skills that they have, the relay, it's a lot of fun. So maybe they could take a page there. Again, the NHL stuff, it got kind of gimmicky. I understand it, though. If they do it well, though, Dave, I think it can be really effective. Do the draft again. Yes, 100%. Do the draft and like right before – you want to make this a three-hour freaking broadcast? Do the draft. Have Bieber host the damn thing. 
or Drake or, or that doesn't even have to be a guy from Toronto. Who gives a crap? Just some high-level celebrity, A-lister. Have them host and the draft is done. Boom. All right, get on your side. We're starting the skills competition now. Like do that kind of stuff. All right, for the game the next day, we have it. We have our teams. Six in the middle, who's starting first? Like what? something. Like, like go back to that fun stuff. And add the entertainment value into it. Like, I, I'm all for that. Like, the draft, like, the, even the players want the draft back. So, like, just add these fun little things and stop trying so hard to make things entertaining. Do it right. Like, what, what's that? What's that? Um, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot there's of potential there. You got the best players in the world in one spot. How do you market that? Because marketing, that's a whole other issue. And that's something the NHL has struggled oh. with. They've got the product, Dave, but marketing it and getting it in, in, in the, the public eye and making it a whole thing, is, it's been a, a struggle for them. I've been, you know, sometimes people get in their own way because they think they know what they're doing. A lot of people think they know what they're doing, but they don't. And like I was in Florida, I, 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 we recorded this, this pod like two weeks prior to all-star weekend, I was there. I was on the, you know, remember that I was on the beach. It was great. Um, but there were no signs anywhere down Fort Lauderdale Boulevard, nothing up off Los Olas in the, in the, not only in the, in the touristy places, but also look like it was a week leading up to it. Like pimp the crap out of it. Like I get it. Toronto's going to be different, but you have to be able to hype this up and you got to market this thing better. They know that just do it now. Yeah, everybody's been critical about All-Star Weekend and, you know, they have opportunities to, to improve. And even the ideas that, that Dave threw out there, I love that. You know, the draft, get right into the game, sticks in the middle, something like that to kind of right, bring right. back the roots of hockey. And, you know, every player I've talked to in junior hockey, especially, they love talking about going back to the roots. It's a cliche, but there's an opportunity there that kind of makes something happen and make it more fun. Yeah. And you could do you could do fun pond hockey stuff if you want in Toronto. Like the fanfare is probably going to be in the convention center. So it'll be indoors. It'll be, you'll have all the fun stuff. It's just the ambiance of the, the ocean and the palm trees behind you. Like in Florida, it's not there, but who gives a crap? You're still going to experience all that stuff, but you have opportunities to do some fun little things, snowball fights with pucks, like, like whatever, just make it, make it fun. Get Will Ferrell in there dressed as elf, like throwing, like whipping those snowballs or something, like just something. Like fun little stupidy things, but it's entertaining and it adds value. And like those kinds of things are going to be, are, are going to be fun. I want to see that. It's entertainment. We, we got to be entertained. And and if you're not entertained, like most of us haven't been watching these things, um, there's a problem. So you got to fix it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. They have the best players in the world. Let's make it a thing. Let's make it fun. And, you know, ultimately it is for the fans. So let's make it what the fans want. Um, so that's pretty much our recap on All-Star Weekend. Glad you guys are back safely. Had a great time and uh, tons of potential for next year in Toronto. Um, now it is trade season and we're getting closer to the trade deadline now. We are less than a month out. So it's time to start evaluating and saying which teams are gonna be aggressive buyers, which teams should maximize on their assets in terms of, the, of a selling perspective. DB, aggressive mm -hmm. buyers right now. There are teams on the bubble. There are opportunities now that people are saying the West is wide open if Colorado uh, can't kind of find something here. In your mind, is there anybody that you think should be an aggressive buyer that hasn't been already? Because we haven't seen many big trades other than Bo, but are you looking at any team and saying this team needs to pounce on a deal right now? 
Yeah, I'm looking at two teams, Zach. Uh, one would be Calgary, uh, because I think the last game, Jacob Pelletier, who's just recalled, was in the top six. And they never they, – they're missing half the goals they had last season. Because when Johnny – uh, and Matthew left town. That was 82 goals last season. And the replacements, Uberdo, has got 10 goals. And uh, Kadri, who's been great, he's got, what, 20-something. They're missing about 40 goals. They need a top-six winger. They need a top-six scorer. The other team, um, also in the West, in the Central, would be Minnesota. Right? So, look, Kevin Fiala leads, and that was a big loss. But the trickle-down effect, and, and that's the same thing with a guy like Johnny Goudreau, who's a great facilitator. It affects other guys on the team. Like, you know, Lindholm's not the same player, goal scoring wise, right? So that affects that. And same thing in Minnesota because Kevin Fiala leaves. Ryan Hartman's got five goals, right? And and Sir Boldy's been great. He got the extension. They need goal scoring. They're twentieth yep. in scoring coming out of the break. That's not good enough to make the playoffs. They're in a position right now. But those are two teams that, from an offensive standpoint, need to make big deals and get a scoring winger, a top six, a top six guy on the wing to help their offense because the offense in Lilling right now. And I just don't think either one of those teams have a good enough offense. Even if they get in Zach, they're going to get knocked out in one round. Yeah. I'm looking East. You you handled the West cause you're the LA guy. I'll take, I'll take the East here in Toronto. Um, not the Leafs, although I do think they need to do a couple things. Carolina, all of a sudden you've got $7 million extra in LTIR space that you can play with. I think this is an opportunity. Your window's wide open. Go for it. Like, absolutely go for it. And I think they're looking. I think. I know they're looking. Um, whether they make that big splash or not, it's going to come down to the opportunity cost. Like they don't want to give too many futures away. But if you win, well, it's justified. So, and, and all this, like, they won't spend the money. They don't want to spend the money, blah, blah, blah. They don't want – Tom Dundon didn't want to spend the money to be mediocre. Is he going to spend the money now and spend, spend a few extra million to push his team over the edge? Yeah. It's just the problem is it's it's the prospects. It's the top kids. They're not trading Seth Jarvis. They're not trading Nick Ash. They're not they're not giving away. I always screw up his name, but the young goalie who's going to be their number one. Um, thank you. Uh, so that's going to take me a long time to figure out. By the way, I've screwed it up nine times when we mentioned him so far this season. <laughs> so I just give up. Uh, but they're not trading those three guys. So if they have other pieces, I, I think that'll that'll play a factor for them. But you got seven, they have what ten million because Jake Gardner's done. Max unfortunately is done for the year. Like they've got a crap ton of cap space to utilize because of the LTIR overage. So I, I think this is an opportunity for them to go all in. Do it. I think the other team, like it, it's a toss up for me between Jer- also in that division, Jersey and and the Rangers. Like I don't know if Jersey needs to go all in right now because they've got a pretty young core. And I, I think they should go all in for Timo Meyer because that would that would work. But I think the New York Rangers are another team that they've got a good opportunity here. If they can add a couple pieces with Shesterkin and Net with with the, a solid decor like that, and the depth that they have up front, and guys that play playoff type hockey like Kreider, we all knew he was going to fall off from fifty goals. But sure, sure. you know, can he can he be a, a a playoff producer like he usually is? You add a couple other pieces and other elements there. I, I think this this is a team that could do a lot of damage and, and squeeze out. And it might be, you know, them Carolina at the end. Because like, Boston, it's in, in the second round, I mean. Because um, we know Boston's going to roll. But, and if they get Chikrin, like Dennis was the first guy to report this over the weekend, that Boston's been pushing hard for Jacob Chikrin. If they can pull that off, see? See? Listen to that. 
those are the sirens going. Yup, Chikrin, Boston. Let's go. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think honestly that if the Rangers and and, uh, and and Hurricanes make a big splash over the trade deadline, it might give them an opportunity to to meet potentially the Bruins in that Eastern final. Yeah, on the Rangers, Zach. Here's the thing: if you look at their right side defense uh, yep. offense, like Jimmy VC, nine goals. Barkley Goudreau, nine goals. Capocacco, nine goals. And here's the worst one. You want to talk about a bad trade, Chris Drury? Sammy Blay for Pavel Bushnevers. Since the trade, do you know how many goals Sammy Blay has for the Rangers? None. He has not scored a goal as a New York Ranger. I think it's 70 games. And Pavel Bushnevers last year had 30 goals. I think he scored 15. That would be the guy on the right side that would help them win. Like, what a terrible trade. And I know I know why they did it, and they said that he was soft. And I think back in the day, Dan, uh, David Quinn called uh, Paul Mr. Happy. But that's a terrible trade. Like, right now, they'd be a way better team. So now, when you hear about Patrick Kane on the right side, yeah, there's why. 27 goals from four right-wingers? You're not winning the cup. It's just like Carolina. They got to trade for a left side, a left winger. Patches yeah. is gone. Uh, Bernsey has done great in Carolina. Great air for this team. But again, it's you don't have enough offense. Like I look at that, I'm like, wow, your top right winger is not. And they even had to move Kreider over to the right side for a couple of games. So that, that's again a team. It's about offense. You know, we talking about oh, there's more scoring in this league. But once you get to the playoffs, it's not that much scoring. So I think a team like the Rangers, offensively on the right side, they got to do something. A lot of opportunities for teams to add. And you mentioned Buchnevich. He played so well with Zibanejad, whether it was five on five or on the PK. So. Losing him obviously has, has been tough, but there are guys out there, and you mentioned two wingers uh, in uh, in Buchnevich and Pacioretty, who I know Buchnevich is going back a few years, but they're done. There are guys in there that on the market, I should say, that are available and can really help teams. You know, whether it's a, a matter of cap space or not. Dave actually touched on something else I wanted to talk about, and that was LTIR space because now Pacioretty gives Carolina a ton of flexibility. Are there any teams, Dave, that you're looking at other than Carolina that could use LTIR to their advantage? Mm-hmm. Vegas. Like, they, they've been very coy in how they've been putting the messaging across with respect to Mark Stone's future, immediate future. Uh, he had back surgery, and Cassidy, the head coach, said, well, we hope if we make the playoffs, he's back then. So, if they need to, you throw him and his $9.5 million on LTIR – you use that as overage. All of a sudden, you have nine and a half freaking million dollars extra in your cap to play with. Now, not only does do, do them and Carolina shift the balance of the trade market because all of a sudden they can add impact type players. You don't necessarily have to bring in a guy and force a team to retain fifty percent of a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So Patrick Kane, for example, Jonathan Taves. For example, out of Chicago, both of those teams would probably be fishing around to see if they can make something happen. So instead of having Chicago forcing them to eat half of that contract, two, three million to ten and like Vegas, for example, two ten and a half million dollars. Let's use Patrick Kane as the example. Okay, you retain what two, three million instead of five. Like all of a sudden that changes it changes the cost and makes it a little easier for for Chicago as well. And from Vegas' standpoint, well, we just need to make one big impact type of ad. 
we, we, I mean, unless a couple things fall into place, like I think that's something they're going to explore. Um, and, and I'm really looking at like Vegas may screw a lot of teams plans up and they love to do that. So <laughs> I, it wouldn't shock me if, if they do, do you know, do do something like no. that. And it may not necessarily like, it could also be Ryan O'Reilly or Vladdy Tarasenko. Those guys are seven and a half million. All of a sudden, you do that, you still have $2 million to play with for another potential acquisition. Luke Shen at eight fifty, for example, on the back end. Like, I think Vegas has an opportunity to be very creative. And we know that their owner does not give a crap about spending money. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll toss it out like Dennis does at the clubs. Like, he will yep, just throw money out like crazy. And Bill Foley, same level. They, yeah. Yep. So if you have an opportunity to add to your team, to enhance your chances of winning a Stanley Cup, I think you do it. And if if I'm Foley, I'm giving McCrimmon the green light. Go for it. Go make some big splashes. Get some big ads. But there's one difference between Carolina and Vegas. The hole was created by Max Pacioretty, Bezer, Tarasenko. You can add another winger. I don't think Team Lamar, but Vegas, you're not getting another Mark Stone. He's a unicorn. That's the difference. Well, he, he, they can't replace that guy. He's the heart and soul guy. Regular, I agree with you. The the fight. I agree with you, but he, but the, to counter that, Patches is done until next season. You read the tea leaves, it looks like Stoner's coming back in, in the playoffs. So not only, like, now you're adding to the mix. So now come playoff time, well, first of all, you got to make it. And and with Carolina and, uh, sorry, with Calgary and Edmonton battling, and that, that division is going to be tight. But you got to make it. So you got to add a guy to help you solidify a playoff position. And then all of a sudden, Stone comes back like Nick Kucherov, and you're, you're rolling. So I back think. Back surgery, slow down. Back surgery. I'm not. His, this is a chronic issue with his back. Now he yes. has back surgery. You just cut him back in three months and be Mark Stone? No, I'm sorry. Shea Weber. Be in the room. Shea Weber, Montreal Canadiens, Stanley Cup final, that run. I don't buy it. It may screw his future, but no, I don't buy it. No, okay. No. It's, he's been he hasn't been a hundred percent for a long time. He's been gunning through these games. It's it's that's the challenge. Even in even in the short term, Dave, they can't replace that player. But here's the thing: you watched that game last night in Nashville. Will Carey is having a great. If Will Carey yeah. and Michael Amadio are going to score big goals for this team down the stretch, they're going to make the play. But here's the one thing. The one guy we haven't talked about in Vegas. Where's Jack Eichel? Can you wake up? I don't think he scored a goal in nine games. I was going to, yeah. He's got to wake up. He's got to lead this guy. And that's the that's the difference between right now, Mark Stone and Jack Eichel. One's a way better leader than the other. And when the team really needs him, this is when you're going to see. This is why you're paying Jack Eichel $10 million, Zach. Like to do right now, when the, the big guy goes out, you got to step up and, and not lead by example, but score goals. And be the effective player that they thought they got when they made that trade. That's the guy that's going to make them make make the playoffs. Not the trade that replaces Mark Stone. It's up to Jack Eichel right now. It, that, this is his moment. Like you want to talk about leadership? This is it, Jack. Get up, start start playing way better because you have you, you've been invisible the last couple of weeks. And I'm, if I'm a Vegas Golden Knight, he's team, been. I'm scared of that. Yep, he's been he's been solid this season up until the last ten games. He's got one goal and one assist in his last 10 games. Now, does that is it because of Mark Stone? If it's because of Mark Stone, well, crap, you got a whole other level of problems because that means he's not a driver. Like, yeah. he's, he's not the guy making people better. He's the complimentary piece. And if Jack Eichel is the complimentary piece, at that cap hit, uh-oh, 
I mean, that's he's not the type of player we thought he was. That wasn't and I, I don't think he's this kind of player. Like, I think he can be that force, that driving force. But he's got to light a fire under his own ass. And you can't count on other guys. So maybe you bring in Tarasenko or Kane, for example, and that helps him. But long term, he's got to get going. One goal and one assist in your last 10 games, like zero points in six. Nope. Jack, man, like I, I'm, I've been on your side for a while, but I thought I had a lighter here. But not, like, let's go. It's, it's time to get going. You're absolutely right. I mean, Eichel's got to be better. And, and we, you know, DB talked about the trickle-down effect earlier. That's kind of happening in Vegas now. No stone. We've seen Eichel struggle. Chandler Stop. Stevenson has taken a little bit of a step back. But they are getting these diamonds in the rough with Paul Cotter, Will Perrier. Yeah. Phil yeah. Kessel has looked a lot better. They played yesterday in Nashville as we record this. He looked really good yesterday. So if they can find something in these value players, that's great. But at the end of the day, your best players have to be your best players. And they are getting healthier. White Cloud came back last game too. Theodore's played a few. So mm-hmm. let's see if they can kind of get something rolling here. Uh, we just talked about the buyers. DB, how about the sellers? There are opportunities for teams to maximize their assets in terms of what they have to sell. We have been talking about, you know, the same teams. Chikrin's a guy. Timo Meyer's a guy. But who do you feel needs to capitalize the most on returns in terms of, you know, springboarding a rebuild? Uh, I saw the moving vans, a video of the moving vans backing up to the arena in St. Louis. Um, that's the team that needs to sell. I know that Doug Armstrong's a real loyal guy, and a lot of these guys won a couple of them in 2019. But that game before the break, when they were up 2-0 in Winnipeg early in the third, and they proceeded to give up three straight goals and lose the game 3-2, that was yeah. it. Check, please. You're out. You're not making the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dave could talk about the possibility of maybe O'Reilly staying there, but if I'm the Army – this, this team, you got your cup, you got your ring, that's great. Move on from guys. The defense is terrible. The goaltending, you know, at some point, Dave's friend Jordan Bennington is going to focus on goaltending and not hitting guys over the head and tripping them and all the other nonsense. And even Burr Ruby said he's got to stop that. It, it's, it's a bad team, right? It's a bad defensive team. If you're a bad defensive team down the stretch, like Colt Prank was a minus 25. It just – it, it just this team just isn't working together. So the high level guys like Tarasenko and like O'Reilly, they need to move. Like th- this this generation of Blues championship is over. The window's closed. It's slammed shut. The moving band should be there. And those guys should be moving on. And probably any other player that you want to talk about, other than maybe a Cairo or or a uh, Robert Thomas. Yeah, I mean, long run, I'm not I'm not ready to slay, say the window slams shut because you have Cairo and Thomas and you, you've got some good young players, but they definitely need to retool. Like, it, it's it's time to refurbish the lineup a little bit. So I, I definitely agree. Tarasenko, peace. And he said something over the weekend that caught a lot – I don't know if it caught a lot of attention, but it definitely caught some people's attention when he said, yeah, I, I, I realize that this could be my last year here. And I'm, I want to see what's going to happen over these next few weeks. He's got a full no trade. I got to wonder, has he submitted a new list of teams that he would accept a trade to? Uh, so that one that one caught a little bit of interest, but I'm, I'm with DB on St. Louis. Like, you want to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly for two, three years? I right, do it in July. Like, get your assets now. Move Barbashev, a chart, like, uh, uh, Mikola, Thomas Grice, if you need to on the bet. Like, they have assets to move. Do it. Get them out of there. Retool in the summer. And go from there. The other team from, I mean, we all know Chicago, it's Taves, it's Kane, but it's also Domi. It's it's NSCU. It's Connor Murphy with term. It's uh, McCabe with term. 
they have other people on this team that they could potentially move out as well. So I think Chicago is going to be active. Dark horse, and it depends on a lot of things here, um, but there is some interest, at least internally so far, and I'm, I'm, I've got to imagine they've reached out to Chicago in some respect. But Washington, keep them in mind for now with respect to Jonathan Taves. I was told this yesterday. I, I don't think it's going to come to fruition, and I have no idea if Taves would, con- uh, would consider the Caps, but there is some consideration internally, at least, with respect to finding a way to get Jonathan Taves there. Again, I don't know if it's going to happen, but there are going to be teams in those situations that are going to look to some of these players to say, how can we potentially make something happen? The other concern for me is maybe something's wrong with, with Nick Backstrom, if, yeah. if that's the case. Maybe it's extended a little bit longer. Maybe it's done for the season, back playoffs. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, like, those are St. Louis, Chicago, uh Montreal would love to make a variety of different moves if they can. There's Joel Edmondson with term. There's Mike Hoffman with term. You know, Dadnov and Drouet. We've got to figure out what the hell's wrong with Sean Monaghan injury-wise. He comes back for a skate, doesn't skate for a couple days. But they've got a few pieces. Yol Armia uh, as well with, with, I think, two or three years left on his deal. So they, they have opportunities to get a little bit creative on their side. It's just a matter of finding, you know, the, the right fits. And, and then you've got the Anaheim Ducks who should – I mean, move out a bunch of guys. Like they, they, they got they, the season hasn't. You got to get back in the kind of a dog race. Let's go! Come on. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Carolina's running away with it. The Ducks got to get in that. And there's one guy. A, Adam Henrique's had a great season. Yep. Like he could a veteran presence. He's, I think he's like close to his career high in goals. He's had a great. Nobody knows because the team's bad and they play on the West Coast. But he he could really he could be a difference maker. For, for for a contending team, he's been that good for that team right this season. Yeah, a lot of opportunity for teams to sell. You know, I would argue it's a seller's market. A lot of people say buyer's market, but you've got teams scratching and clawing for position here, and a lot of good rentals on the market. When was the last time we saw guys like Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko as rentals, as guys that are available for trade? Like it is absolutely crazy. So I'm very interested to see who's aggressive. Going back to that Jonathan Taves fit, you know, if Backstrom is indeed out, that's that's a good one too. He's you know he's still got game. He can win draws. He can kill penalties. He's got a good hockey mind and, you know, and a leader more than anything. Like that would be a rock solid leadership there in Washington yeah. if if that were to happen. And not only that, right. Zach Kuznetsov has seven goals this year. Like he's had a bad season. Part of it's because Wilson's out and it's been there have been all banged up. But you look at you look at their center position. Uh, uh, Strom's there right now. They're kind of the de facto once he's got 11 goals. Backstrom, Backy's got one goal in 10 games, and Kuzi's got seven and 52. So if you think this team is a playoff team, and I don't know, it depends on what Florida does, what the Islanders do, and what Buffalo does. This team, by the time we get to next month, they could be in 10th place. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah. Page would fill a need because their center play isn't close to what's needed to get to the top eight in the East. Yeah, I'm curious to say it caught me off guard yesterday when I was told that the Caps, at least internally, are, are, are discussing it. Again, I got to imagine Chicago's aware and Taves is aware um, because both him and Kane, they've got the list of teams that have interest. They'll cut that list down in the next couple of weeks here, like we've been saying. And then, you know, that last week of this month or, or, or whatnot, they'll try to figure something out here and, and see, you know, here are a couple options. It doesn't sound like it's going to be the Giroux route where it's like trade me to Florida or – but um, they, they managed to pull it off. So uh, I, I think um, it, it, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Chicago m- maneuvers those guys. But, you know, I'm also looking at Domi and seeing where, where's there a fit for him, um, you know, with, with some of the other options that are, 
that are out there. San Jose, like you're right, there are a lot of sellers there right now. And the middle of the pack teams, middle of the pack, even though they should concede, um, they, they don't want to do too much at the moment. So maybe that changes in the next couple of weeks. Um, but because they're still runway, we're 20, whatever, three to just over three weeks away from the deadline. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, some of these teams maneuver. We know Philly wants to make some moves and, and not just the rental guys and Braun and JVR, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how some of those other teams kind of play out the market. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do it, but David Paul, after watching his team last night at home, get six shots on goal with what, five minutes into the third period. And I know there's rust, but that's a lot of rust. And, and to play that way, and I know Vegas played well, but to play that bad where you can get a sniff at the net, I might start looking at my lineup and saying, okay, maybe I need to inject something here. But they're a team on the outside looking in. So are they really a playoff team? I, and I think I always go back, Jack, to what Dean Lombardi told me years ago um, about the trade deadline. He goes, I want a sign for my team that they want help that they need help, that they're in it to win it, but they just need a dish, They need something more. And when I watched Nashville play last night, I don't know if they're in it to win it. I, 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 I would be careful to, to, to measure, do they really need help, or is this team just not good enough at this point? Because that was embarrassing last night. I, I, like, to not even get in the in the zone, get shot. And Vegas, yeah, they're fine, but that's one team that is on the outside looking in, could use help, but – are they really that good, or is it going to be a situation where they make one trade, you get to the eight seed, and you get wiped out in the first round in five, four or five games? Yeah, Nashville, I mean, has been looking for offense for years. They've dished out some big contracts, Forsberg, Duchesne. Do they have enough? And, you know, we're talking about a team that's in a really tough division too, DB. Like, they've got, a, they've got some hills to climb here if they're going to make something happen. And even if they do get in, are they for real? They've got the goalie. You know, they've got some solid defensemen, but how serious is Nashville? So there are a lot of teams, you know, and, and with how quiet things have been overall uh, with respect to Horvat, everything else, you got to think things are going to start happening here because we've only got a few weeks left. Things, uh, you know, teams are, are, are seeing these uh, these no trade lists and players have to make some, some tough decisions and Taves and Kane, like Dave said. So we will certainly see uh, as we approach the deadline. Um, any final thoughts from either of you before we sign off here on episode three? I mean, uh, you know, Toronto, for example, I should touch on them. Like, I think they're going to make a couple of different moves here. Um, and I think it's going to be up. Like, I I think, I, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks, Ivan Barbashev, if they can make that happen, I think he's at the top of their list in terms of guys they want to bring in. Cost effective because of the cap. And you're not going to be paying a premium for him because he's having an off year after putting up 60 points last year. So, and, and at the same time, you're not, it's not the same cost for an O'Reilly or, Kane or Taves or, or, or those kind of big guys. So I could see a scenario where a Barbashev and Domi get inserted into the lineup in Toronto. It's under $6 million in total cap space. They're going to have to figure things out financially. But I could see a scenario play out where it's those kind of players that get inserted into this lineup rather than one of the big boys. Because you look at it, if you really want to, you can slot Barbashev on the left side of Tavares and, and Nylander. And then a guy like Domi, you can either slot on the wing or it's center on your third line, and it deepens things out with Yarn Crook and everybody. So uh, I'm interested to see how this gets played out. Yeah, for me, um, here in Los Angeles, I, I joke that the fans that kept the uh, candle in the window for Jacob Chicken for the last what appears to be 10 years might want to put out that flame because I don't think it's going to happen here in L.A. We mentioned Boston. Imagine 
Imagine Jacob Chicken with Charlie McAvoy on the top line, on the top pair, right? That's, that's it. But but watch one development here in Los Angeles. That their forwards have been hurt. Like Trevor Moore's been out with a concussion. Uh, Arthur Calavetta broken, but he's coming back. But watch out for Gabe Velarde. Gabe got a lower body injury before the break. He's not skating yet, and he's their second leading goal scorer. Right? If he if this is a more serious injury, they might have to go get a score at the deadline. Now, we'll see what if he plays on. I don't think he's going to play on Saturday against Pittsburgh, but that be a situation where Rob Blake may have to go. And they're winning games based on our offense this season, which has been frankly a shock to myself and probably the entire fan base that this is a, a really gifted offensive team. But but Gabe was a vital force. Today. He was on second power play. He, he's got he's a different player this season. Right? He's finally got his confidence. Um, he's having fun playing hockey. But if he's not in the lineup down the stretch, they might go get another score hopefully on the wing even with guys like Moore and uh, um, uh, Kaliev coming back. Um, that's a big loss if it's a longer-term uh, absence for Gabe Velarde here in Los Angeles. L.A. for me is a really interesting team to watch because you could argue they have to add a net, they have to add on the back end, they have to add up front, mm -hmm. and you can't stay still because, you know, given the position they're in and how intense their conference is and their division is, you got to do something if you're the Kings, and and there are many opportunities to improve. Now they've got the prospect pool and the space for Chikrin. You're saying that it, it's not the likely destination. To me, ideally, it makes the most sense in terms of a fit, but it obviously is a lot more complicated than that. And and imagining him on Boston like that would just be incredible because they're just a wagon right now. And to get another mobile defenseman like Chikrin with his term and his cap hit is, is frankly very, very scary for everybody else. LA is not trading Byfield. I mean, yeah. not, not, not in a Jacob Chikrin deal. So no, uh, like last season, they wanted Arizona wanted Velarde as a centerpiece and LA's held firm and well, it's worked out. Uh, so, you know, they're not moving Velarde. Would the Coyotes be willing to take an overall package? That's like, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even know some of the other, like Turcotte's not going to be your primary piece. It's got to be a package of, of a bunch of different assets. And they're so, not trading Grant Clark. That would be the replacement. Right, exactly. Not, even though he's on the other side. And they're not trading Grant Clark or Byfield at this point. I just think they're going to look at other options. They might look at Provorov. They could look at Gavrikov as a lineup yeah. from Columbus. Um, and then with respect to the goal, Zach, you know, people are saying trade for a goalie in Los Angeles. They have three healthy goalies. So what are you going to do? Put Phoenix Copley on waivers? This company has the same stats for, uh, as Martin Jones. Like he's sub 900, his goals against his 290. He's 15, 3, and 1. You're not, wa you're not waving him, he'll get claimed. You're not waving Jonathan Quick. I'm sorry. I, I know he's not been good, but he's got, what, a couple months left in his, in his King's career, probably? You're not going to wave him. The optics on that is awful. And even if you did wave him, nobody would claim him. And so then you would have yeah. Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson playing in Ontario. It doesn't make any sense. So, and I don't even know if, if a guy like Cam Talbot is an improvement over Phoenix Copley. Phoenix Copley's winning games. So, I, I, look, they have to address goaltending because after the season, the only guy signed in L.A. is Cal Peterson, and that's not good. But in the moment for here, I just don't see it. They, there's other areas of need that we talked about. The goal get a fourth goalie when three are healthy. you got to find a way to just win games with the three guys that you have right now. That's why you improve your defense. Bingo. Right? So they can pull it off, whether it's Gavrikov or, or Edmondson or, you know, whomever. Um, Rob, go do it. If they can get a lefty, like, like, like a Mikey Anderson type, but kind of 
different on the depth chart. More right? physical. More fit, bigger. They have a small defense. They, they have yeah. a very small defense, and they found ways to win. But, yeah, Mike Anderson's been great. Uh, but they need a more physical play. Like the, the Bengal kid that got just traded to Seattle, like he's six foot six, and he played on the top pair with Eric Carlson. I get the halo if I could play with Carlson. That would be the type of player that yeah. they, uh, play with more size to give some more size to that defense because it's it's a smallish defense. Yeah, get somebody to play that second pair. Like Gav, like I said, Gavrikov. I mean, like those caliber, those quality guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Edmondson brings the cup pedigree. Gavrikov brings the nastiness. Well, Joel does too, but still. Um, like those those kinds of those kinds of guys, I could see something like that being beneficial for that team. Seems like there's always a market for those kind of defensemen, the guys who are rugged and really solid defenders. I know yep, yep. you guys might not have watched as much Jacob Magna, but this guy's a really good defender. There were a couple mm-hmm. times where, especially last year, they had him one on one with McDavid. They had that matchup, and he was playing like a prime Mark Edward Vlasic. It was really impressive to watch. So you know. I, I feel like, you know, we're talking about left-handed D like Edmondson and Gavrikov. Those guys are going to be highly coveted. They have to because those are ultimately complementary pieces that could put you over the top. And with teams like L.A. that are missing that, you got to think that they're going to be going hard after that. So the Kings will be interesting to watch, at least in my opinion, just because they have so many opportunities to fill holes. And they're right there. They're right there with all these yeah, top West teams. So if they could make some moves to push them over the top – Uh, We'll certainly see what the Kings can do. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching episode three of Edgework. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe. If you want to let us know any dark horse teams that you want to see make some moves, whether it's buying or selling, you can let us know in the comments as well. So for David Penyota, Dennis Bernstein, I'm Zach Bodenstein, and we will see you next week.